let's give a loud welcome to Pastor Aaron Schuler this morning. Now, you can't just invite anybody to birthday Sunday morning at Destiny because they, you know, it might scare them a little bit. But uh, Pastor Aaron is a longtime friend. He smiles about almost as much as I do. And we thought almost, and he, he's, um, he's the perfect person to have here this morning. We love you, Aaron, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, and the, man, the mic's yours. Time's yours this morning. Okay. Good morning, everyone. How we doing? Wow, it's so great to be here. I've known uh, Sean and Deanna for about 10 years. Yeah, yeah, every year just got better and better. And uh, I remember about 10 years I was pastoring in North Dakota, and we, we didn't have a camp to go to. And so I hear about this crazy guy in South Dakota who does a camp. And so I cautiously brought six kids to South Dakota. And then after that, it was as many people as could come. We were bringing them, and we just fall, fell in love with you guys as a church, and, and Brent and Tana, and, and Derek and Pam. Derek freaked me out a little bit the first day, but after that, whoo! I love that guy. Sorry. <laughs> um, I brought my son with me. This is Isaac. Raise your hand, Isaac. He grabbed a flag. He joined the party right away. I'm proud of him. So, man, it's such an honor to be here. I just want to say that. Um, I'm not sure if I've ever been in a room with so much joy, actual joy of the Lord. Not just like we should be joyous as church, but actual joy. Who would have, who would have thunk it? So. Um, I'm really indebted to Sean and Deanna. Uh, the reason why we ended up in Fort Collins is because of Sean. I, we were in North Dakota for f my whole life, and then we pastored a church in, for 15 years there, me and my wife. And we really felt God was calling us to move away and try to, we wanted to plant a church that was on our hearts. And so I called Sean and I said, Sean, I think we want to plant a church someplace. And he said, I'm on it. And so Sean connected me with the right people. And then we got connected to Pastor Dave Sather and, and Greeley. And we're a campus of theirs. We just celebrated our two-year anniversary in Fort Collins. Yeah. And people still come every Sunday. Every Sunday, I'm like, they're not going to come this week. But they keep coming. But God's done a good, good work. We've reached, we're reaching mostly unchurched people uh, that have never been to church in their life or a very, very little background. And so it is a whole new world of fun. And uh, we're really grateful for it. So can I pray? We're going to get going. Lord, you are so wonderful to us. Uh, your spirit is obviously here in a tangible, real, personal way, God. So we ask for your spirit to guide and lead these words as we continue to celebrate. God, thank you so much for this congregation and this community and what they've done and what you've done through them these last 21 years, God. And we thank you that with the rich legacy that has been set, the best is yet to come and the more profound and beautiful things are yet to come through you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Let's, uh, I'm going to hope just to encourage you guys uh, today. John chapter 4, if you have a Bible, uh, we're going to read one of my favorite uh, parables and stories. It's not a parable. It's, it's a moment with Jesus. Um, whenever you turn from uh, an age, I don't know about you, but I, when I was a kid, it was all about the celebration, right? And now as I get older, it's more about what did I do last year and what am I going to do next year, right? That's incredibly important to do as you grow because 
It gives you focus and vision and steps towards who do I want to become at this time next year when I'm in, this, in, in a place and I can look back and be like, man, what did God do this year? So we're going to look today at what God has done, but we're also going to look at what God is doing. So let's read this together. This is John 4, verse 1. It says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once again to Galilee. Now he had gone through Samaria, so he came to the town in Samaria called Sychar, nearing the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, who was tired from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Because Jesus, whenever Jesus had to deal with the Pharisees, it always made him tired, right? Have you ever dealt with a Pharisee? I always get really tired when I deal with a Pharisee. I'm tired. Jesus was tired. It's about noon, which is a key point. Verse 7, it says, When a Samaritan woman came and drew water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone back into town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. You can ask, uh, how can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. So in this part of the story, we have, the, we have a key point of this woman being a Samaritan. If you know anything about the scripture, which I'm sure most of you do, that Jews and Samaritans did not like each other. Right? They're people that would, when they were crossing the road, they would go out of their way to get away from the Samaritan. And it so much had to do with the Jews saw Samaritans as people who were uh, deluding or even uh, messing up their religion. Right? The, the, the way they saw their religion, the way the Jews saw the purity of their religion was so different. And so Jews thought it was unclean to even associate with someone who was a Samaritan. Right? So most people, if they were coming along the road, would cross the other side. I'm not even getting close to that person. Right? Ever seen that weird person on the street? You're like, oh, I want to cross the other side. I live in Colorado, so there's lots of weird people there. And sometimes I just want to cross the other side. Just being real. So it's an odd situation. This woman is at the well at noon. Why would a woman be at the well at noon? Typically, in the morning, you'd get up, and the first thing you would do is you'd go get water for the day. And you'd go early in the morning, because in the desert, it's hot. I don't want to be anywhere at hot when it's hot, right? And so the, the, usually the women would come in the morning, they would get the water for the day, then they go back into the city. But today this woman is by herself alone at noon, getting water. This tells a lot about who she is. That maybe she wasn't accepted by the other people to come that morning, that she was ashamed to come with everyone else, but, so she would go alone and by herself when no one else was there and she'd have to deal with the people. She was a Samaritan, so Samaritans wouldn't even, Jews wouldn't even drink out of the same cup as a, Samar as a Samaritan. Jesus didn't have a bucket, but she had a bucket. And Jesus says, give me a drink. She's like, uh, you don't understand. This is my bucket. If you drink from this bucket, it'll be unclean to you. Then she was a woman. <gasps> Gasp. <laughs> Do you know that Jesus did more to elevate and equalize women than anyone else in history. So Jesus not only talked to, the, in their brain, the scum of the earth, but he talked to a woman who was very less than. And he showed everyone that they are equal to. And then he talked to a woman who was getting water at noon because she was too ashamed or maybe too rejected to come with everyone else in the morning. Jesus is showing us 
that he has no bias in love. He has no bias in love. We all have bias, don't we? Well, things that we kind of like uh, lean to, like I would cross the road for some people sometimes. And Jesus is showing us and showing his disciples soon that this woman is so deeply valued, so deeply loved. And Jesus is going to use her, the most unlikely person of that time, to do some incredibly profound things that we're talking about 200 and some years later. That's what Jesus did. He spoke and engaged and loved and served the people that were not loved and served and engaged. The most unlikely, like me and like Sean and like Brent, but he used for profound, profound, profound things. Jesus had no bias. So I'm a Minnesota Viking fan, anybody? Uh, Nick, yes. So I'm from Colorado and no one likes the Vikings. And so I feel at home here. But it'd be like coming up to get a drink of water and there's a Packer fan there. And it's just, oh. Why would I even, I can't even, oh, get away. Not even my peripheral vision. Or Tom Brady, just get away. I'm sorry. Hope there's not a lot of Packer fans here, Sean. Will we? So Jesus shows no bias. And he loves someone who's probably not been loved in a right way for a long time. In verse 10, it says, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you to drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, said the woman, you have nothing to draw from this well because it is deep. Where can I get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, Anyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will be a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to them, to him, Sir, give me this water so that you won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back to keep drawing water. So Jesus turns it now to something, just, he's talking about something spiritual and she still wants something literal, right? She's like, whoa, there's a spring somewhere? I don't have to trudge my water bucket every day to this well. I can find a spring that keeps coming. This is the way the world sees faith, is that they're looking for something really practical and literal. They're like, oh, if I do X, Y, Z step, then I'll be fine. I'll be okay. And Jesus said, no, no, no. There's no steps you can take on your own that will make you okay and well. There's no steps or tricks or tools. These, these things can help you. That's great. Do them. But there's nothing that can fulfill you that will make you not thirst again other than what I can give you. So other than what I can give. I'm going to give you living water. In the world and people in my life that I'm reaching out to, they're looking for the next trick and the next step, something practical, something tangible. But what they ultimately need is an encounter with Jesus. What they need is an experience with him that's so real that everything they've known and thought and experienced before is changed in a moment. Like when you come in this room and you're like, Jesus is here. Do you understand that? Jesus is here. Yeah. And that's what people want. That's what people need. And then he does something, he just goes crazy because Jesus does crazy things. It's amazing. He says, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. He said to her, you are right that you have no husband. In fact, you have had five husbands and the man you are with now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, I can see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim 
that the place that we worship is in Jerusalem. So now it gets to it. Now we start realizing why is she here at noon? Because she is rejected. She is ashamed. She has had this life of obviously brokenness, obviously of pain and hurt. And obviously God has put Jesus here at this moment in this place for her. And he does something crazy. He uses these things called the gifts of the Spirit. He gives her really a word of knowledge, right? He, have you ever been with someone? You met with someone? You see him, you're like, man, I kind of know some stuff about you. It's weird. <laughs> or I kind of feel like I got to say something about, I feel like God's saying something, right? I was in a coffee shop last year, and you ever have those moments where you're like, God's like tapping you, like, there's that person over there. Tell them they're loved and valued. Tell them that they're of worth. Tell them that they've, I've known them since the beginning of time. And sometimes I'm really brave. And I'm like, watch this. Most of the time I'm like writing it on a napkin. God says he loves you and wants to know that you are valuable. Anybody do that ever? Yeah, yeah. Wherever, wherever you're at, God will take you, right? And so like I uh, gave it to her. I walked away as fast as I could. I look back and you see a smile come on her face. Because we understand this, the gifts of the Spirit are to be used as much inside this building as it is to be outside this building. And the gifts and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives are to be used when we worship and are together to edify each other, to encourage each other, but they're to be used so that they can hear from their Savior. They, people outside this room can hear the love of a Father they do not know. So that they can hear the words that they've been yearning to find that they're searching for inside and out, day after day. And Jesus used the same gifts that you and I have. He's using the same tangible love of God that is given to us through his spirit. And he blows her mind. Because when you encounter God, all the questions that you have kind of change. And all the things you wonder about and you doubt and you worry, they kind of become less valuable and less important because you've encountered God. There's a lot of people in my life who don't believe and we talk a lot about faith and it's a great, fun conversation. And sometimes they're like, what about this, 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 this? And I say, you know, I don't know about all that, but I know what God has done in my life. I know that he's real because I've experienced him. I know that he's around because I know even right now in this moment, I can feel his presence and his voice. And I know that I was once bound and lost, but now I am so free. And whenever I get back in that, do you ever get back? You ever try to step back into that mess? God pulls me right back out. And then Jesus says this, verse 21. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For, for, for salvation is for the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And they will be the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and whoever worships, and, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and the truth. truth. And the woman said, I know that the Messiah, the Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And the Lord declared, the one you are speaking to is me. I am he. 
So he's saying that all this religious structure and this religious divide and our disagreements that we're having day in and day out and this kind of I would walk on this side, you would walk on this side is going to be over. It's going to be over. This religious system, this hierarchy of how we should act and we got to act a certain way so we can earn a certain amount of love and respect and, and a certain amount of heaven is going to be over and you're just going to worship because the Spirit of God is going to indwell inside of you and you're going to worship in spirit and in truth. And the coolest thing happens. Just as his disciples return and were surprised to find him talking to a woman. Scandalous. But no one asks, what did you find? Or what do you want? And why are you talking to her? And, when, and then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And then they came out of the town and made their way towards him. So the woman who comes alone, ashamed, away from anyone else, all of a sudden becomes the voice piece for Christ. She is changed by an encounter with her Savior. And she goes from being ashamed and guilty and not wanting to, you know, kind of under the radar living, to go out and be like, listen, come and see this man I met. A voiceless woman became the voice and mouthpiece for, for God because of an encounter with Jesus. And the, and the word I, I feel like God's asked me to say to you is that people are asking you to invite people to come and see. That there's people in your life that have been waiting to be invited to come and see who this Savior is. Because you have been transformed. This church is a transformation church. And your leaders are transformation leaders. And God is asking, I would believe, I would submit, that you can go from someone who has been ashamed, someone who has been lost, someone who has been broken, to now the mouthpiece, the ambassador, the light of God to invite people in to come and see. Come and see. The man who has done everything. I've always struggled with evangelism. Anyone else? Pastor struggling with evangelism up here. Because I always thought it was like, I didn't really know what the right things were to say. Anybody? I was like, what if I say the wrong Bible verse? What if I don't do ABC? Whatever that is. What if I miss the third law of the four spiritual laws? Oh, I will lead them astray. And I think the most beautiful, perfect, and simple way to evangelize or to share the love of Jesus is just invite people to come and see what you've experienced. To come and experience the community, the friendships, the donuts. To come and experience this thing that has transformed your life and has transformed mine. Because I think God wants us to experience evangelism or to experience reaching the lost in community. Not as these solo rangers out trying to notch it up. Got another one. But to ask you to bring into the fold, into the family, so we can grow, so we can be equipped, so we can be sent out, so we can reach the city in this region. Your word was so profound, it was on my heart. And then he says this, 
Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, okay, Rabbi, cool. Now eat something. But he said to them, I have nothing to eat that you know, I have, I have to, food to eat that you know nothing about. Then disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Disciples. <laughs> they were like, man, the disciples are so dumb. And I'm like, I'm the same way. My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And to finish his work. We, whew, we get to finish his work on this world. Don't you have a saying? It's still more, more than four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Now even the one who draws reaps, draws a wage, and the harvest the crop of eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus, the, the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap that which you have not worked for. Others have done that hard work for you, and you have reaped the benefit of their labor. Okay. Jesus is telling us, reminding us that the fields of Rapid City are ripe that you have had this legacy of prayer and worship and a saturation of God's heart and his spirit in this place for 21 years. Probably years of constant prayer and worship. Think about that. Years coming out of this church, continuously praying and asking God to move and for his kingdom to come. A rich legacy, not just in this place, but in our region and in the world. And God says now, the fields are ripe. The city is ready. Rapid City is ready for experience of God's presence. And you and I are the mouthpiece, the ambassadors, the light, the salt, the commission, the sent people of God. And some of you and I did not sow. Others sowed. And what a great honor to sow. What a great honor to till the ground. What a great honor to pull the weeds. What a great honor to plant deep and good and rich soil. Because now, destiny, you can reap and you can harvest the ripe field. Because the fields are white and they're ripe and they're ready. And you don't have to be, have a theology degree or have the Bible memorized. Take that off your list. I mean, memorize the Bible, but you know what I'm saying. You don't have to have it all together and have it all planned out perfectly to see the harvest in your life, in your family, and people that you've been praying for for years and years and years, and your neighbors. If you don't know your neighbors, go meet your neighbors this week. If you don't know your purpose, your purpose is your neighbors. If you don't know your purpose, your purpose is your workmates that you work with. Your purpose is maybe your spouse, probably your kids. And all you have to do is invite them to come and see. With this lady at our church, uh, uh, like I said, most of, our, most of our church is unchurched or I haven't been in church in 20 years and it's very fun. And... Um, and we, uh, we say all the time, like, our goal as we come in here is to get filled up and equipped and excited so we can go out. And we should come back next Sunday pretty spent. Right? We should come back next Sunday a little bit emptied. 
right? Because, and, and the Lord can fill up as we go. That's, I totally believe that. But we should, we should come back like, whew, this was a good one. We went for it. To connect our community to Christ. And so this lady, she comes up, 57 years old, has been in church for 20 years. And she comes up to me with tears in her eyes. And she says, you know, I've been praying every day that God, people would see God in and through me. And I was like, that's what we've been talking about. Good, pray for that. And then she said, this week I had a meeting and I have church for the city of Fort Collins. After the meeting, someone comes in her office and she said, if you knew this guy, you would never, ever expect this guy to ever ask about faith. You would never, this would be like a walk across the other side type of guy, right? One of those guys. And she said, he walked in and she said, are you a Christian? And she said, yes, I am. She got to share about her faith. She got to share about church. She invited him to come, check it out. And I was like, man, you're, that's, that's what we're called to do. That simple, that easy. The light and life of Christ that pours out of you because of your love for him, because you've accepted and experienced his love for you, and you're shaping and forming your identity into his, and you're choosing to be no longer a slave, and you're choosing to walk out of bondage into this marvelous light. Yeah. Because you are doing that, the light of Christ is coming out of you and people see it and experience it. And it takes very few words. And all it will take is for you to say, come and see what I've experienced. And come and see who I have met. And come into this group of people who love the Savior. Because you will be accepted and you'll be loved without bias. And it will all be a little weird together. Just come and see. And this girl said, this woman said, I'm 57 years old. I've never been used by God until now. That is purpose. That is calling. That is passion. Now this is what happens in the story. This is what happens. It says, many, many of the Samaritans from that town believed because of the woman's testimony they didn't believe because they figured out all their doubts. They didn't believe because they were adhering to a set of doctrine or theology, right? They believed because of this woman's testimony. Listen, I met this guy. He's real. I'll talk to people all the time. Well, what about this? I'm like, I don't know. I just have experienced God's love. I don't feel helpless. I don't feel hopeless. I don't feel like I have no purpose in life. I never feel that way. I haven't since I was five years old. All I can tell you is by my testimony. He told me everything that I did, and when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days, which for Jesus is a big deal. If you read the Gospels, Jesus was on a mission. And when people would say, hey, come do this, he'd be like, nope, not doing that, doing this. Right? If you ever have trouble saying no, be like Jesus. <laughs> he stayed for two whole days, and because of his many words, many more became believers. Now check this out as we close. And they said to the woman, we no longer just believe because of what you've said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. So there's a shift that's happened. And this would happen to you and to me, isn't it? I grew up in the church until I was about 20. I was like, 
Don't know what this thing's all about, but I'll keep going. And then I was 20, and I heard about this thing called the Great Commission, which is sad that I was in church for 20 years and didn't know about the Great Commission. That's another story. I heard that God wanted to use me in this life, that he wanted to use you to bring his kingdom to earth in your neighborhood and in your workplace and in your family. And they said to him, and this is the most profound sentence in this whole chapter, we no longer believe just because of what you said. But we heard for ourselves and now we know. Because you and I know when someone comes and encounters Jesus, they're changed. And it's not my job to change someone's heart. It's not your job to change a family member, a friend, a neighbor's life. It's not your job. Take that off your plate. Take it off. That's a yoke you do not need to carry anymore. The job of a changed heart is the Holy Spirit's. And it's Jesus' job. And it's his number one thing to do that. All we have to do is invite people to come and see what this thing is we're experiencing. Because at first they will come because they like you. Or there's something about you. And first they'll come because they're drawn and there's something inside that's living water. What's going on here? But then they will know, not because of what you said, but because they have seen. Right? They will believe because of what they have experienced, the love of a Savior. And they might not have all the things figured out and they might vote differently than you. They might think differently than you. They might look differently than you and they should. But the thing that will bring them in and will be a party is because they've met the same Savior that you have. So my prayer for Destiny, for Sean, Deanna, and for you, Brent and Tana, Derek and Pam, everyone else, is that this would be a year for you guys that would be a sent out year or that you would see that you're already sent you would see with eyes that you're already purposed and called to this place in this situation, to this neighborhood, to this workplace, and that you would start seeing with those eyes, the eyes of a Savior that says, come and see. Because I don't know a community that will love like this community will. I'm not sure of a community that will have more joy, have more fun, and this community will. And I'm not sure of a community where they will experience the Savior of the world like this community. So, so many of you have been here for years. And you're 21 years old. Congratulations. Woo! 20, 22, 21 this year is going to be a year of a ripe harvest. A year where you will invite people to come and see who the Savior is. And that people are not just going to believe because of what they heard or what you posted, but they're going to believe because of what they experienced. Yes. So when I come back and I'll sit in the back at 22, we'll have to set up a whole bunch of new chairs. Because this city is called by God. Like you said, it's not just a church that's meant to reach a city, but a region and beyond. So what would happen if everyone in this room invited people to come and see? What could God do in this community of people? Let's pray. Jesus, you are our Savior and our Lord. We love you so much. God, we 
honestly and authentically ask for your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would, right now in our minds, through your spirit, reveal to our minds and our hearts, Lord, that you'd reveal people in our lives that are meant to be a part of this community of believers, that are meant to be once lost but now found, who are meant to be the great testimony that others will hear, Lord Jesus. Would you reveal those names in our minds? And it might be a name that you do not like. And it might be a name that you don't usually associate with. Or it might be a name that you've been praying for for 20 years. You've been asking God to work and move. And God would say, the fields are ripe. The fields are ripe for harvest. The time is now. You are mature to the point of being able to come and bring people in to this community, in this body. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for this church, for this, this leadership, for the teams, for the congregation, Lord, that you would do a fresh anointing, a fresh outpouring of your spirit for the heart for the lost, for a heart for our neighbors, for a heart for our coworkers, for a heart for our families. And that we would just yearn to have seats next to us filled with people who have heard the story but now get to experience the Savior. Lord, would you do that in a profound and real way? God, as you lead this church into the next year, we pray and we believe that it is for your glory and your honor, just as it has been for 21 years. And we anticipate and are excited for the things you have. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.